Welcome to the Jewish Robe Podcast. My name is Matt Davis, and hey. look who is here with me. Yeah, um, I'm still here, folks. Still kicking. And we have a little dog running around here, Yonkel. Yeah. yeah. Is he the mascot now? Yeah, hopefully he'll be quiet. Yeah, <laughs> we can't get rid of him. He has like a, a trigger bark. He, he thinks he hears something, and he just starts growling and yeah. barking. Most yeah. of the time at me. Usually at you, yeah. Yeah. All right, well, hey, we are at the last episode of what we are calling season four. And do you know what makes up a season in a podcast world? What? I don't know either. I don't know. <laughs> I thought you were going to give me something new. I, I think it's just kind of when we said, I, that, that's enough. That's it. That's it. We, that's we it. have nothing left to say right yeah. now. We'll yeah. come up with more. Yeah. And that's it. That's folks. it. So we have come through uh, the days of awe and the high holy days. And now we have one last thing to tell you before we jump on a plane, head to Israel and get a whole bunch more information and have a new group of people going through it all. Yeah. Well, this is a great one. This is a joyous uh, celebration. Finally, right? Yeah. Of all yeah. the Jewish holidays, we have so many sad and depressing ones, but we finally have something great to talk about, and uh, it's a good thing. So, but before we do, yeah. even better oh. to come alongside yeah. this joyous occasion, yeah. I have not one, oh. but I have two great pieces of humor. Oh, good. I need a good laugh. Just a little good one, right? Yeah. And uh, we're going back to the Catskills. We're going to go back to the Catskills. Okay. It's been a while, especially because we had that that marathon streak going through where we had all of the little podcasts. But here, yeah. Well, it's not a fun time either. It's it's not. It's a lot of intra- introspection. So here we go. This is the last will and testament of Samuel Benjamin Cohen. And he says this, I, Samuel Benjamin Cohen, being of sober mind, hereby declare this to be my last will and testament. To my son Sheldon, my firstborn and the best dentist in the United States, I leave $1 million, tax-free. To my daughter Jane, who was wonderful and always helped her mother with the dishes and graduated from college, I leave $1 million. Wow. To my loving wife, I leave whatever's not in her name already, $2 million. Enjoy, sweetheart. Enjoy. And to my brother-in-law, Louie, who smoked fancy cigars, who lived with us ever since we got married, and who always <laughs> said... <already> funny. <laughs> and who always said that I would never mention him in my will. Hello, Louie. <laughs> he mentioned him. That was it. That was it. Here's one more. Speaking of uh, the last will and testament, there's a guy in a hospital and uh, going in for a surgery, and uh, he is pacing back and forth, and he's getting really anxious about this imminent operation. And his wife said, what's the matter? Why are you getting so worked up? And he said, I heard one of the nurses say, it's a very simple operation. Don't worry. I'm sure you'll be all right. And she said, well, she's probably just trying to comfort you. What's so frightening about that? And he says, she wasn't talking to me. She was talking to the surgeon. Oh, God. <laughs> don't yeah. don't worry. I'm sure you'll be all right. That's yeah. what everyone wants to hear. Get yeah. the pep talk just, to the doctor just before yeah. you go in for under yeah. the knife. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. I think I want another doctor. There you go. All right. Well, that's it. That's all the humor we got until next season where we will have some great stuff. We'll, we'll tell you about that at the end of this one. But let's dive in. Uh, we are... Finishing out this season of the High Holy Days, uh, the Fall Feasts of Israel, and this one we're focusing on, like every other Jewish holiday, has a bunch of names. It's yeah. called Sukkot. Sukkot, the Feast of Booths. And? The Feast of Tabernacles. Anything else? No? There, there's, there's one more. Yeah, well, we'll have to make it up. But that's all I knew. I, I thought it was just those three. 
Give us the lay of the land. What are we going to talk about in this uh, episode? Well, I, I think it's really interesting because as we consider this last of the fall feasts, the last of all of the feasts, number seven in Israel's appointed times, this one is is we're moving to it with great joy because this one speaks of the kingdom of God. And the fulfillment of this will be when the Lord actually returns uh, and establishes his kingdom. When we when we talk about these feasts, and, and all of the feasts are, are mentioned and talked about in Leviticus 23, and I know that there's probably a lot of confusion for people as these kind of show up in, in small places here and there, but everything shows up in Leviticus 23. If you've ever had any confusion about any of it, um, we actually have up on our website right now a timeline, a free timeline right. where we've kind of laid it all out. Here are the spring feasts, which have already been fulfilled, and here are the fall feasts, and we have the Bible verses associated with all of that. So if you want to go onto the website, even right now, you can download all of that, and you can check it out and follow along with some of the stuff that we're talking about right now. Yeah. Okay. So where we are right now, we're in number seven. This is the very end. This is the last of all of the appointed times, the feasts of Israel, the festivals. And uh, you know what is interesting as we approach the discussion of Sukkot or the Feast of Tabernacles, uh, I find it interesting that when we look at the disciples and their uh, time that they spent with Yeshua, Jesus, uh, they are constantly looking for the kingdom. They're looking for the kingdom of God to come. They're saying and, stuff like, is it is it at this time that you're going to bring the kingdom? When yeah. is it going to come? We, I, I have somebody in my household who's always asking, she's very much on a timeline. Yeah. Like, can we go do this? And if we say, yes, God help us, because she'll say, well, when? When? When are we going? When? 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 <laughs> yeah. When? When is the time? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's kind of the same way here. In fact, uh, the, there are sections in the scripture that uh, kind of lay out for us some of the misunderstanding that they had. And, uh, you know, I want to look at uh, one thing in Matthew uh, chapter 17, where we have the transfiguration. And if you look at just before chapter 17, the last verse in chapter 16 Jesus is saying to the disciples, truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until the Son of Man is coming in his, cling in his kingdom or in his royal splendor, right. it's really talking about. And so they're, they're having a debate amongst themselves uh, as to who is going to live all the way until the coming of the kingdom. But in chapter 17 says, after six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, his brother, and led them up a high mountain uh, by themselves, and he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light, and behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. And Peter looks at all this, and he says, he says to Yeshua, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And he's uh, Moses is obvious there, uh, representing the law, and Elijah representing the prophets. And the question that you would have is, is what were they talking about? Because it says that uh, they, they were talking with him. And Matthew doesn't really tell us, but... If we look over at Luke, Luke in chapter 9, 
says, Behold, two men were talking with him, same thing, the transfiguration on the mountain, Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his departure. His departure in the Greek is exodus. They're talking to him about his exodus, Mm. which he was about to accomplish in Jerusalem. I think there's parts of the story that we just kind of read over and it's like, oh, he wants to go camping with him. He's going to set up some tents, but we're, we're missing this piece of the Jewish background, the, the yeah. biblical context that takes place in Act 1 in the Old Testament, yeah. and, and we're missing what, what really, what, what's Peter's intent? What are they expecting yeah. here now at this well, point? Well, I, I think what Peter's expecting is he's, he's expecting the kingdom, because when he says, uh, I'll make a tent, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, he's really saying, let me make a booth, let me make a tabernacle. Because why? Because he thinks that the kingdom is coming. And so he is moving in that direction. Peter understood who Yeshua was, but he did not understand the plan of God, the death and the resurrection that was going to take place. Even though Yeshua had spoken of it at least three times, he spoke of it one time in the previous chapter in verse 21. It says, from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And so he told them about. Yeah. And then he puts him in his place and says, put, put away the tents, put away the poles. That That's not what we are, are coming to do. I'm coming to fulfill something entirely different. Yeah. Uh, he, so that was one time he mentioned that to him. Then he told him another time in chapter 17, verse 22, it says, the son of man is about to be delivered into the hands of men and they will kill him and he will be raised on the third day. Uh, you know, Peter is there on the Mount of Transfiguration and he is seeing the glory and he is jumping right over, uh, to the, to the fulfillment of the feast and he's skipping over Passover. He's jumping right to the Feast of Tabernacles, and they haven't had Passover yet. The Messiah hasn't come and died and been raised for uh, their sins. And really, at this point, all of the feasts, all seven feasts, have yet to be fulfilled. Yeah, none it of them have been yet. wasn't until the death and the resurrection of Yeshua until we could actually say that the, the spring feasts had actually been fulfilled. Yeah, yeah. And there was one third time, we can mention it in chapter 20 and verse verse 17, as Jesus was going up to Jerusalem, he took the 12 disciples aside and on the way he said to them, see, we are going up to Jerusalem and the son of man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the scribes and they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified and he will be raised on the third day. So here's three times within a short period of time, he's telling them about all this and they're just skipping right over it. They're, they're heading to Passover, but they think they're going to Sukkot. Yeah. It's in one ear and out the other. It's in one ear and gains speed and goes out the other. That's right. Just, just even as a backdrop, Sukkot was originally instituted this feast of booths. When we talk about it in Leviticus 23, it is supposed to be a remembrance of the wilderness. It's supposed to be this remembrance of when the Israelites come out of Egypt and they dwell in tents for 40 years going throughout the wilderness. Right. And this is a point when God is dwelling with his people. And really the beginning of the story, if you go to Genesis one, God is dwelling with Adam and Eve And we got to get back to that at the end of the story. And we know that that will ultimately happen again. 
But in the midst, this is the first time really that God and Israel become, they are in relationship and God in the tabernacle is dwelling right there in the midst of the people and they are dwelling there in tents. Right. And that is God's heart. He wants to be connected with his people. And and what we do today is we reenact this remembrance looking back at that time. So we build these, these sukkahs or booths. Um, and you have to, you, you cover them with palm branches, which is also really important, yeah. but you, uh, up on the ceiling, you have to be able to go into this booth and we have them up for eight days and you look up through the palm branches. You got to see the stars in the sky so we can remember the wilderness, right? That's the backdrop to this right. whole story. And so you can remember the covenant and the promise to Abraham. That's it. Yes. The stars in the sky. Yeah. So we do this and. This is one of those holidays, and they're, they're probably all like this, but where we're looking back to remember something, Jesus is doing something completely different with it when he is actually dwelling with man in, in that present time with the disciples. He's dwelling. Even, even John would be the one that would say in John 1, 14, that he came and he dwelt with us, right? Mm-hmm. His glory manifested with all of us. That word dwelt was mm-hmm. tabernacle, but it's also pointing towards a future time. Yeah, it, it, it is. And and I would say that the Jewish people, you take the nation of Israel as a whole, and they are even looking after three years of ministry, three and a half years of seeing Yeshua, the miracles he did, the teaching, his teaching. They, they thought they had the Messiah there. And as he is riding into Jerusalem, for example, in Matthew 21, that that day that is called the triumphal entry into Jerusalem, what are they doing? Again, with the palm branches. Yeah, they're saying, this is it. This is it. The kingdom is here. The kingdom. And so uh, they are also looking at it, but they're also jumping over Passover and going to the end of the age. Yeah, and so this is this is the intention of Jesus is during this week. He knows that he's not come to be the lion and to overthrow everything and to bring the kingdom at that moment, he's coming as the lamb. Yeah. And so what, what is interesting now, I mean, he had spoken to them about the fact that he was going to die and he was going to be resurrected. And uh, then after all of that in Acts chapter one uh, says, so when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time uh, restore the kingdom to Israel. See, they're still looking for kingdom. And he said to them, it's not for you to know times or seasons that the father is fixed by his own authority. God has fixed these times. There are appointed times. There are Moedim and they are fixed by God and his authority. Satan tries to, you know, uh, circumvent all of that, but he can't do it. I mean, even the devil is God's devil. And so God is the one who is in charge of all this and his authority. And he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. Where? In Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and to the end of the earth. He's speaking of where we're transitioning now to a new dispensation, to a new rule of life. And it's going to be uh, ruled by the indwelling Holy Spirit within uh, his people. And even Yeshua talks about that, uh, doesn't he? And he he makes a a whole gives a whole understanding of what that means. I think in John's Gospel.
Yeah, well, so if you back up 2,000 years ago and they're celebrating Sukkot, this is one of the pilgrimage feasts. So you come up to Jerusalem during this time and there's a great celebration that's taking place. In fact, Josephus says, if you've not seen Sukkot in Jerusalem, you've never experienced joy. And so over these seven days, there are certain things that are happening. One of those things, and we've talked about this in previous episodes, so I'm not going to do a deep dive, but we have talked about Sukkot, but we talk about the illumination of the temple, that there are four large lampstands and each of these, they're 75 feet up in the air and each one of them, they have this 10 gallon uh, basin that has oil and there's somebody who has to climb up that would not have been me because 75 feet up there is just a little, we'd have to have complex system of ropes and pulleys or maybe from a helicopter. You won't even put an onion on your hamburger. Oh no, there's, yeah, that's a whole nother thing. But Man climbs up and they actually light it and it's the illumination, this light, you could see it from everywhere in Jerusalem. It's the illumination of the temple, which is is being recounted in John chapter 7. But then you see in John chapter 8, Jesus speaks to them and he says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. This is still right there on the back of this celebration of Sukkot. So we have the illumination of the temple, but we also have a water drawing ceremony. And if you look back at Leviticus 23, all of these feasts are very agricultural. We, we don't get it because we're city people here, most of us in, in America. Um, we, we live in cities, we drive places, but you got to think about the agricultural society because what they would do is they would go out and they would take an offering and this would be this offering. They would wave to the Lord. This is the final offering in, in the agricultural calendar. And they would say, Lord, thank you for what you've given us. But this water drawing ceremony was a, a ceremony asking God to bring rain so that they might be able to have the rain for the next harvest season, which is incredibly important. The high priest goes down to the Pool of Siloam, which has been excavated. You haven't seen it in a little bit. But no, I'm, I'm waiting. Next week, we're going to see it. Yeah, you're going to see it. I mean, quite a bit of work has been done there. Yeah. Uh, but they would go down to the Pool of Siloam. They would walk up the pilgrimage road, which is another thing that you haven't seen recently discovered. Got to see that a few months ago yeah. and unbelievable. Yeah, I want they, to see that too from the city of David all the way up to the temple. That's right. So yeah. they marched this thing all the way up there. They poured out and all the while they are saying, you shall joyously draw water from the springs of salvation. And it's in that moment in John chapter seven, it says on the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stands up and he says, if you're really thirsty, come after me. I am the water of eternal life. And he's talking about the spirit. Yeah. So this is the spirit of God present there among the people. So we have the light and we have the water. And Jesus is the eternal life, the yeah. eternal water. Yeah. And, and I think uh, one of the things that is is really significant to, to realize, he says, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. So this isn't a national offering to Israel at this point. It's an individual offering That's right. for those who will ask, who will come to him. Uh, and he says, he that believes on me, as the scripture has said, from him again shall flow rivers of living water. That's good. Yeah. yeah. Well, and th- this is this is a, a picture of what was going to come. And, and this is all a reference towards the spirit, the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit that was going to come. 
And when he came, he fell on the individuals. And there was a community that was gathered there. But ever since then, we have the indwelling of the Spirit. The presence of God is not in the tabernacle. It's not in the temple. Um, Jesus is not walking here on earth in in his person. Um, But the Spirit of God indwells us, the glory of God. We are now the temple, and we are the ones carrying the Spirit. Yeah, there's an interesting verse in Isaiah chapter 12. In Isaiah chapter 12 and verse 3, it says, With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation, and you will say in that day, Give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the peoples, proclaim that his name is exalted. Yeah, that's it. And that's that's what they would be singing and shouting as they would draw the water and they would carry it up and they would pour it out praying for that new year. Yeah, yeah. That's 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 exciting. It's an amazing uh, time. So, where does that take us in terms of uh, the interpretation of what this holiday actually is moving toward and what what we're expecting? Because it hasn't happened yet, right? If it's going to be fulfilled, then what does that actually look like when it is fulfilled? Right. So we fast forward and we go to the end of time. We go to the end of time, and amazingly. The end of time that it's laid out for us is in the book of Zechariah. Yeah. Isn't, yeah. That, isn't that interesting? And if you look at Zechariah chapter 14 and verses 16 to 19, we have the fulfillment of Sukkot. That's right. It says there, then everyone who survives of all of the nations that have come against Jerusalem shall go up year after year to worship the king, the Lord of hosts. And to keep the Feast of Booths. Yeah. And if any of the families of the earth do not go up to Jerusalem to worship the King, the Lord of hosts, there will be no rain on them. Yeah. Get that connection again. Yeah. You have a one-year drought. Yeah. Because you have to send a delegation from every single nation that survives and makes it through the tribulation. Yeah. They have to send a delegation once a year to Jerusalem, along with the Jews have to also. So this is in the millennial kingdom, that thousand-year reign. But what's, what I think is amazing, and this is why I think this is important, what we're trying to do here, is my, my assumption is that many of us have not really heard or incorporated Sukkot or Feast of Tabernacles. I mean, even when I was pastoring at a church, we, we did not regularly in any way, in any stretch, talk about Sukkot or Feast of Tabernacles. But imagine that day when we're in the millennial kingdom, you have believers there, and now Jesus says, hey, everybody. Happy Sukkot, Chag Sameach, we're going to celebrate the holiday. Yeah. And everybody looks around. What is that? What is that? <laughs> what What is that? So the yeah. people who listen to the Jewish Robe podcast say, ah, let's do it. It's time to build some booths. We're in the presence of God right now. Yeah. And uh, he, he speaks of this in terms of the nations as everyone that is left of all the nations that come against Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. So these would be the sheep nations of Matthew 25, who they will enter the kingdom of God uh, and they will inherit the kingdom prepared for, for them from the foundation of the world. Yes, and so we're, we're looking at these and he gives Egypt as an example, doesn't he? Yeah, that Egypt is there. Egypt, Egypt is the one that he holds out. Um, for example, of Egypt, he says uh, that if they don't come, on the Feast of Tabernacles, then there will be no rain in Egypt. There'll be a year-long drought in Egypt. 
He's not singling out Egypt. He's just using them as an example because that will go for every nation. That's right. Yeah. So this this holiday though it has it has some implications for us and and one of the the unique things about Sukkot it's not just joyous but it's also very bloody and that blood takes place in the context of all of the the sacrifices that take place yeah yeah uh, if you go through numbers chapter 29 and uh, I'm not going to go through and read the whole thing but if you go through numbers 29 uh, there are seven days to Sukkot right? That's right. And there are many animal offerings, but specifically there are bull offerings. And on the first day you would offer 13 bulls. And on the second day you would offer 12. And on the third day you would offer 11. And it would go down until the last day of Sukkot. And what you have at the end of all of that is you have during that 70 or during that uh, seven days, seven days, you have 70 bulls that were offered. And the rabbis uh, said that these 70 bulls offered was an offering for the nations, for the 70 nations that existed according to Genesis chapter 10. Hmm. And so uh, these offerings were for the nations. If a nation would repent, their sins were covered by the offerings that were done on Sukkot uh, at the temple uh, for these nations. For example, Nineveh, uh, they repented. There was a necessary blood offering, and that offering covered their sins, and it would be the same for any nation. I mean, really, it's a, it's a fulfillment of, and it's, it's what Israel was always supposed to do, is not just that we have this favored nation status that we're the chosen people, but that we are also called to be a light unto the nations. Be a priestly nation. A priestly, yes. And that was the priestly sacrifice of all of those offerings on Sukkot in the book of Numbers chapter 29. You can go back and check it and read it. Um, but uh, what is interesting when the temple was destroyed, obviously all the sacrifices stopped, right? Yep, 70 AD. 70 AD, and shortly after that time, uh, there was a rabbi, Rabbi Yochanan, who said concerning the Roman destruction of the temple, he said they don't know what they're doing. They have just destroyed their only means of salvation and forgiveness. Hmm. because there could be no more offering for the nations. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I thought that is really an interesting point. Uh, we have that in the Jewish writings in the Mishnah. And, uh, you know... It's an interesting observation, especially like, you know, let's say it, it that that quote comes directly after the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem. And from his perspective, he's looking at that and saying... All of these years, we have actually done this sacrifice for the nations on behalf of the nations, and now there is no sacrifice for them. Um, and so what he's saying is, what a shame that they don't know what they have done. They're missing out. And what a shame to look at Rabbi Yochanan and also say that he missed the sacrifice that was for him. Yeah, uh, because when the temple was destroyed and there were no more sacrifices there, that doesn't mean to say that there was not a sacrifice that was offered that was for Israel and all of the nations, all who will come to the Lord. And that sacrifice was Yeshua, Jesus, the Messiah. 
That's right. So Sukkot is important historically. It's it's important not just thousands of years ago, but um, before the time of Jesus, but during the time of Jesus, it has implications for us now. And so what, what we do as Jewish people these days is we set up a, a sukkah, not because we have to, but we are invited to partake and to remember this story looking back and then we look forward. And so we, we do that if you go to New York, even if you go to Israel during Sukkot, they are, even right now, uh, they have sukkahs, uh, little booths all over the place. Yeah. And they're remembering, and they invite people to come in. They said <laughs> during 2020, during uh, during COVID, uh, you, one of the great things was you get to invite people into your sukkah, and you do Sukkot together. Right. Um, and what they had to do during COVID was they actually had to invite people in via Zoom. And that's how they were able to celebrate Sukkot together, wow. but everybody in their own sukkah. Uh, but that that is the remembrance for us, and we get to look forward to that time. Yeah, it, it has tremendous prophetic significance still. Yep. The king is on his throne, but the king will visibly be manifested there on yeah. his throne, and we'll be celebrating this one for a long time. Yeah. Yep. Hey, uh, as we wrap up this episode and we look ahead, we just want to let you know, number one, thanks for listening. Not only thousands of you, but tens of thousands of you listening from all over the world, which is still shocking to us that, you know, just this little thing that we're doing here in the basement in Kentucky, uh, that that the word is going out. But we love that. And also, we want to let you know um, that we're not done. We're not going to finish. Um, after 78 uh, podcasts, we, we might be finished. Who knows? But we have intention to keep going. Is that right? Yeah. Well, yeah. As long as I'm here. As long as you're here. <laughs> as long as I'm here. Yeah. Yeah. You never know. Okay. Um, so we're going to continue and there will be a season five. And what we're excited about with season five of the podcast is uh, it's going to be a little bit less of us. We'll still be around, but we're going to be talking to some of our best friends, uh, some of the people who are in the Jewish community, some people who are doing amazing things with uh, the text, with the Bible and, and sharing stories. Um, but we also want to just let you know that we want to make inroads. We are making inroads uh, into three areas, into the Jewish community, into the Christian community, the church, and we also want to reach the next generation, that Lador Vador, and we want to take the podcast and the blogs and travel to Israel and all of these places. We're getting invitations to go to mm -hmm. places all over the world, and we're very excited yeah. about that. Yeah, and especially that uh, younger generation because, boy, they've got a lot that they have to uh, wade their way through in the direction that the culture is going right now, and we've got things that we can share with them and bring them to the truth, really. That's what uh, that's what our purpose is. Yeah, so there are some fun things that we have going. We promise that the, the, the break between this season and the next season will not be that long, um, but we do have uh, a trip coming up to Israel. If you want to know more about upcoming trips, you can also just check out our website, thejewishroad.com slash Israel, and that will give you some updates as well. But Hey, as always, thank you for listening. Thank you for being a part of what we're doing. You can always support the work. We are a 501c3 uh, crowdfunded nonprofit that is dependent on all of the, the great generosity of our tribe, our tribe that is spread out like in the diaspora all over the world. Yeah. So we're very thankful for that, that community and enjoy that support. So thank you. Um, so until then, we thank you for listening. And we like to say Sha'alu Shalom Yerushalayim. And we'll actually be doing that yeah. from Yerushalayim next week. Yeah. Can't wait. All right. Well, thanks for listening. Thanks. Shalom. Bye-bye. <laughs>